This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. Is there anything in the antinomian disputations that we, we, we were able to spend basically the whole day on it? Is there anything that we've left behind that you... Well, left behind? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't yeah. have to say that. No, I did not. Um, is there anything we've left undone that is particularly <laughs> um, um, going to be making you burn in the soles of your feet? I felt a little tension when he was just talking about... He was always nervous about saying that Christ preached the law. And mm. I'm not sure why. Why was he nervous about that? I think it's in the same way he's nervous about um, he has to make the distinction between the Holy Spirit as a vivifier or gift and the Holy Spirit in the law. He has to make the same distinction between God's alien work and his proper work. I just think he wants to say Jesus Christ was sent to be the ransom for our sins. That is the primary thing. Insofar as he's doing something else, he's doing something besides that work, which is not unrelated, but it's not the thing itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jesus says, I, I came not to condemn the world. I think that's kind of key. Yeah. Like, that's not the main purpose I came. Yeah, and yet we yeah. have Matthew 5 through 7. Oh, yeah. Sure. He does I, I do it, but that's not to say Christ is not, I mean, Moses, you know, because Moses had only the law. And yet, so Matthew 5 through 7 is precisely Jesus on a mount giving the law. Right, but that's not all he gave. Right. That's what he would want. I think that's where he wanted to put the fence. I don't think he ever said that. But Christ isn't the new Moses because Moses had only the word to give. Christ has law and the gospel. I am the ransom. I am Ten the commandments. I mean, now the Westminster packs it out as the Ten Commandments starts with gospel. I, the Lord, the Lord God, who delivered you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I am the Lord your God. Yeah. You shall have the Lord before. Ten minutes start with the promise. That's right. buyer's language, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Behold, I am the Lord your God. And the Sermon on the Mount starts with the uh, blessings. You know, yeah. Which a lot of scholarship say is Jesus blessing his disciples. Blessed, to, blessed be this person, that person. Mm-hmm. I think Christ is a greater Moses, not because he gives a better, or not because he gives the gospel, better because he fulfills the law. Yeah. As, as also right out of the Or or in the, in the language of John, the law came through Moses. Right. What came through Christ? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's you. You brought up a good text in the "I came not to condemn the world." He wants to use those sort of hermeneutical and exegetical openings to say that when Christ is doing this. It is, in essence, his alien work, as he himself is God. Yeah, and as he would put all that in himself, mm. he would work to make his proper work. Yeah. And so, am I hearing that Christ did preach law? I mean, yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's awkward. Christ, he was the best law. preacher of it, yeah. Yeah. because he cut, he showed it, and he cut to the heart. I just yeah. don't know why. Luther wouldn't want to say that and then just qualify it rather than really fighting to say Christ and, you know, Jesus and preach the law. Mm. Kind of muttered off. What? 
Kind of just like mutter. Yeah, yeah, right. Like Christ began. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I, I I feel less of a tension with that than I do with um, the stuff about the gospel using the office yeah. of, of the law. Yeah, that's a little weird. Um, that to me is the stranger thing. <laughs> but yet, like, even there, it's like Jesus was Jesus is the gospel, mm-hmm. and he used the law. Yeah. But so. Uh, there's just something inexplicable about Jesus. Yeah. That's There's probably, something that's about that name. Say. Yeah. <laughs> um, where do you see Luther's reticence to say that Jesus preached the law? My page 129, which is 35th argument of, I think, the first disputation. He says actually because Christ no he himself preached the law no yeah there's some sort of tension oh right and I put there is this contradictory to page eighty seven so like that's where I was um, same disputation but back several pages under the sixteenth argument the very last paragraph of the sixteenth argument and he does. Say properly, Luther does say properly speaking. Sixteenth argument for what? First disputation, sixteenth argument. Okay. Last paragraph. And I think that there's another sentence there where he says it's important. Therefore, Christ is not a lawgiver. Nonetheless, yeah. he shows the work of the law. Where does he say that? Yeah. Okay. It says maybe that he didn't come to. He he wasn't given the law. Moses, Moses gave the law. He's not a new Moses. Preaching is different. Okay. Because Christ did not come to demand the obedience that's from us, which the law requires. He came to give it to us. Right. Yeah, he says nonetheless is, he shows the work of the law. Hmm. At the same time, what he would do. Yeah. Fifty-four. That's a pretty rich paragraph. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. And that that to me. <clears throat> helps a little bit because I think I grew up being really troubled by Jesus um, con- condemning <laughs> and and telling you the things to do um, you know when I was a Southern Baptist little kid you know that 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 always worried me um, I think I just about you know forgot about that problem eventually uh, yeah I mean I think he's not a lawgiver in the sense that he didn't have he really didn't have anything new to say yeah you know, he only had to clear up the old, uh-huh. the nonsense we made of the law. He had to clear up, clear away the nonsense. But he indeed, exegetically, Matthew is making the point precisely that Christ is the new Moses, but he's more. Yeah, I think by putting him on a mount, by having him deliver commandments, he's, he's the new Moses. Yeah. I mean, that's and what the author of Hebrews says. He, he, yeah. said he fed from that mountain bread. Yes, that's the bread from heaven. He was the bread, he says in John 6. So he, he did yeah. both. He gave the bread. Moses gave the bread and manna. Jesus gave the bread and the law and fulfilled the law right. all in himself. It's just beautiful. Yeah, if anything, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus added to the law. He made the law heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, 
Or, or we no, say, I don't think he added to it. He just right. got rid just, of the baggage and the, the corruption that we... He exposed its full-throatedness. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think that's what Luther's getting at when he said Christ is not a lawgiver. He's not saying anything new. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like the commandment to love, too. It's, mm-hmm. you know, a new commandment I give you, but it's not really new here. <laughs> it's the same old commandment. I'm just, you know... I think that's the thing with John too going on. It's all it's all the same stuff. The Decalogue is eternal, and Moses gave it. Yeah, he's he's the only he's the best one at taking the law and swinging it directly at your heart, as it were. I don't think he's very useless like that. Swinging it. I mean, I'm in a crushing sense. <laughs> that's a, that's a good point, though. I mean, it, it it's an interesting. Theological move he's trying to yeah. nuance. I just kept on hearing kind of going, oh, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> what is Luther's preface to Romans? I think he says, the law and the gospel are never bedfellows. Um, that's a part he wants to. He doesn't rigorously, I think, pursue that, but it's, it's always near him. He always he wants to distinguish. Between the law and the gospel, they have two separate offices. They do two different things. They come as one word. But they come sometimes <coughs> at the same time. Are, aren't they two but words? Two, but it's two different words. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think we would say <clears throat> it's one word because it's God word. It's, it's God's word that comes to you as, comes as law and words. gospel. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's where some of the two-word language is a little troubling. Yeah. Because it's God's word working itself on you. God's two words. Um, yeah. And I guess that, 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 you know, that image of the bedfellow can help make sense of this in some ways because Christ can preach the law or the gospel can use the office and voice of the law, but the two things are never existing in the conscience in the same. Yeah, in the conscience, that's right. Yeah. And as much as we are in Christ, the right. law does not belong to conscience, but it's members. Yeah, right. And as much as we are not in Christ, the law is driven to the conscience of the unregenerate. Hmm. Crushing. Kill it. Yeah. It's crazy. There's no room in the bed where Christ and I sleep for anybody else. That's right. He's very jealous. Jealous God. <clears throat> a narrow bit. I just love it. I said that. I just love it. Yeah. So, according to Luther, does the law have any role for us in as much as we are in Christ? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes? I mean, I think we've. No. Okay, so that's the third use thing? No. I'm just trying to clarify. Yeah. According to Luther, the law does not exist because I, I heard the law per se. No. The law exists. That's what it says in the Decalogue. The eternal. We didn't read yeah. that part. What? The 34th, the 34th argument of the first disputation. The Decalogue, however, only the Decalogue is eternal. As such, that is, not as law. Because in the coming life, things will be like what the Decalogue has been demanding here. Um, so, inasmuch as we are in Christ, the law exists, but not the Decalogue exists, but not as law. As such, it's just described. What does it say? Because in the coming life, 
So thing. not as command? Is that what's going on? Like, not as command, just as existence. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes angels sense. are antinomian. There is yeah. no law to an angel. But they the dialogue are. is there. Yeah. Yeah, of course you can't get rid of the dialogue. They just are. I get that. As the way things are, yeah. But you have no need to. And this is what we were talking about earlier this week. I was saying that in heaven, I don't think we'll have need to be told what to do. You know, because you don't just do it. No. There's really no need to be face to face. Yeah, not face to face. But that's the interesting thing is though that the Decalogue will still be there because it is written into what it means to be human. And it's, and this, uh, it's great news. So in yeah. this context, in this context right here, who are we telling what to do? Okay, back to this third use thing. Who are we telling what to do now then? If the Christian, in as much as I am in Christ, I don't need to be told what to do, right? Because I just do it. Then who are we telling what to do now? The Adam? The same old person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, we preach the law to unbelievers and believers indiscriminately. The person who is Seymour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying. I mean, you're not just preaching to their old Adam. Yeah. I know. I know. In a doctoral level class, uh, we're trying to parse some weighty theology, but just prima facie, just on the sheer face of it, scripture. I mean, all of Paul's epistles don't make any sense because he just has too many commands for Christians after the explication of the gospel. I mean, I was reading Ephesians 4 and 5 this morning, just thinking about law, gospel, and stuff, but he, he says all these things. He, command after command after command. And just prima facie, scripture just can't make sense. Yeah. Um, if, if there's still not an enduring relevance to, of the law to Christians before the eschaton. Yeah. yeah. Those commands just always have to be left in their proper place, which is just not justification. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, I think as long as you keep that thing straight, there's room for articulation in various ways. Um, that's where we're turning back to a tight little spirograph there on the board where those commands, the imperatives of Paul, you know, upon the 15th, the 23rd, 615th. Return back to Christ. Maybe something else is. It's. A, I mean, I guess the last thing I say about that. It's. A, it's a difficult thing to, to parse in real life, like you're saying, because when I preach, I am just preaching to a whole person. Yeah. Like, and that, that's all I've got. And I think, you, I mean, for me, the question is, I thought there's always the whole person before me. But we thought, I mean, I, I brought up the part about context and historical context was really significant mm. to me because when do I exhort a Christian utilizing commands yeah. of Scripture? When do, I, when do I best exhort? When do I console? Um, I do believe it's okay to tell a Christian, in your anger, do not sin. That's what I read this morning. Yeah. But when and where and how, I think kind of the context is so important. Yeah. Because the 30s can sound heavy, and when you're preaching, there's this indiscriminate audience before you. Yeah. And for a pastor in this age, you know, I also have to remember Luther's context, which is, I mean, they didn't have cars. So Luther knew everybody that went to his church. Mm. Um, and I don't know everybody goes to my church, which means 
preaching is, is, a, is an area of great tact yeah. in law and gospel. But I, mean, I, I used to take law, you know, apply counsel. And I just didn't have any problem with it. And, uh, and I would, and, but there are many other pastoral situations um, with which to do that. So that's what context is, is really hanging on me in this, um, because the whole person's always before you. But mm-hmm. I just, if scripture says that, I believe it. You know, that's kind of, there's a simplicity on the other side of complexity for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.